2: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Yesterday we dropped the last time they won and we had a look at the South Sydney Rabbitohs from 2014, an unreal premiership there. Today we're going to have a look at the Manly Seagulls. Now the last time they featured in a grand final, of course, was 2013. They got done by the Chooks that night. The last time they won a premiership though was in 2011 and what a season this was. And for me, I'll always look back at this Manly Premiership winning side as sort of, they were kind of the transition team. Now they were sort of the team, the last side, that they would enjoy beers after the game. They're a little bit unorthodox and they were just full of natural footballers. I loved watching this team play. This is a side that in round one of 2011, um, they played the Melbourne Storm. They got done in that game. As we all know, what happens every single time uh, you take on the Melbourne Storm in round one, you get done and dusted. But from that point on, I think the lowest they were placed the entire year is sixth. Uh, Now, it should be noted also uh, in that round one game, their halves pairing, was Kieran Foran, who had only played about 25 games at first grade, and the debutante, Dally Cherry Evans, at halfback. So pretty impressive when you consider that that was DCE's first season in first grade rugby league. He'd come down from Queensland the year before from memory. A pretty impressive effort to go all the way through with DCE as your halfback. Now, this Manly Seagull side, they finished second overall on the ladder, only behind the Melbourne Storm. Uh, they came into the week one of finals. Uh, they knocked over the Cowboys in a huge victory there, 42-8. They had the week off. Then they took on the Brisbane Broncos, beat them 26-14. to 14. Now, they beat the Brisbane Broncos that night, I believe. That was the week after Darren Lockyer uh, fractured his jaw or whatever it was in his game. You will remember he missed out on that one. It was against the Dragons. He came back in that game, kicked the winning field goal. Then, of course, Matt Gillette replaced him at 5'8 the week after. So they were in a serious bit of Barney rubble there, the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, This manly side, simply too good for them that night. Went on to the grand final, but probably... The big storyline out of this week, of course, was the Melbourne Storm getting dusted by the New Zealand Warriors. You will remember, this is the game that uh, Lewis Brown scores an unreal try off the back of a uh, special play from Sean Johnson where you see Cooper Cronky bites on the, on the dummy inside. Really unprecedented scenes. So... New Zealand Warriors, they march onto this grand final against the Manly Seagulls and a really unlikely matchup this game. Uh, It should be noted that this Manly side in 2011, the last 16 weeks of the season, they only left Sydney once. So that is a huge advantage and sometimes the draw falls this way for you. In round 26, they had to travel to Suncorp Stadium. Outside of that, they did not leave Sydney, which is a pretty incredible effort. They played most of their games at Brookvale, a couple of games out at ANZ. Uh, They also had to go to Parramatta, but, I mean, the rest of them were at the ANZ. So, I mean, a really blessed run there to not have to leave Sydney. Uh, had to go to Suncorp. They did lose that game in round 26, but I think they sort of had their eyes on the week after. I don't think regardless of that result, uh, it could change where they finished on the ladder. As I said, knocked over North Queensland, knocked over Brisbane, took on this New Zealand Warriors side. Both sides with rookie halfback, Sean Johnson versus DCE, dominated a lot of the headlines. It's not very often you see that in Rugby League. It's incredibly rare realistically. An unreal game it was. Both of the Stewart brothers, I've heard the Hollow Sports Boys talk about this omen. They both scored in this game. Probably the the biggest moment of the game for me came from Glenn Stewart. Just on halftime, he grubbers out of his own end. I think it was Michael Robertson picks the ball up. They go down the right edge. He eventually gets tackled. It ends up in the hands of DCE, and he scores a brilliant try off the back of all this momentum. But it came from the big gamble by Glenn Stewart. a grubber out of his own 20-meter. It wasn't just a grubber and kick for hope. It was a grubber that curled into the line of his winger. An unreal uh, skill set, Glenn Stewart, one of our favorite players of all time. Could you imagine him playing in the modern game in Jersey 13? He would absolutely dominate. Of course, this was the grand final that he got the Clive Churchill medal. It was also the time where they were having issues with David Gallup. So, remember after he got the award, they did like a galloping um, expression of how they were feeling. So, uh, pretty controversial scenes there. One thing that we'll never forget from that grand final. Also, a pretty special year just to see the New Zealand Warriors in the grand final. First time they'd been in one since 2002. So, 10 years. Uh, the narrative was unreal. The hark of that day was sensational. The crowd was just in. Insane as well. Uh, Pretty crazy scenes that day. Now, if I go through... My post, which you'll see on Instagram this afternoon, I had the leader in this team. I picked out Jamie Lyon. Uh, A couple of guys I could have gone for in this team. And this is the beauty of this side. They they didn't have a set superstar that was like an all-time great or anything. They were just a really solid team. I mean, if you look at the top try scorers, the top point scorers, all that stuff from this season, none of the Manly boys are in any of those records. But they all just had top-shelf seasons. It's a real sign of a quality team when you can come in with rookie halves and go all the way to the grand final. a little bit lucky that the Melbourne Storm were knocked over in the last week of the finals. Would have been tough to beat them on the big stage, but you can only play who's in front of you, and they certainly gave it to this Warriors side, who had a really impressive season. Obviously, James Maloney, Sean Johnson, Kevin Locke, just full of excitement machines. But Jamie Lyon, to me, uh, he was an absolute champion this season. Scored a try in the grand final, captained them for the vast majority of the season. I've spoken about him a lot on the podcast, that he played centre, but he sort of played a second fiddle 5-8 role. It just meant that you could get the last tackle, and you could either go to your halves, or you just flick it out to the right edge of Jamie Lyon and he would create a repeat set out of something. To have a center with a kicking game of a 5-8 or a halfback, unreal Jamie Lyon. A real leader, one of the most underrated players we've ever seen. I know that I say that a lot, but Jamie Lyon he was just something else. A guy that You know, could have probably played 25 state of origin games for New South Wales, but just decided, I'm good. I don't want to play, you know. Just a bit of an odd character like that. Of course, he left uh, the Parramatta Eels in the early parts of his career just because he was a bit over it. He wanted to go back to family in the country. Just didn't even tell anyone. Just took off one day. So, definitely a unique character, but definitely a leader in this side. For me... He really personified who the Manly Seagulls were. Very carefree, but very serious when it came to their football. Knew how to enjoy himself off the field and knew how to get away from football as well, which is incredibly important in my opinion. Now, the most valuable back. A lot of guys could have gone through here. Steve Matai was a guy that really stood out to me. Brett Stewart as well. I always think back to that grand final day and probably the headline act was Steve Matai versus Crimson Inu. They absolutely belted and bashed each other on that day. I think there's a highlight package on YouTube worth going to have a look and watch that. We had Inu on the podcast uh, last year sometime and he spoke about that, you know, that wasn't a rivalry that had anything behind it. It was just on the day, two natural competitors just going at each other and wanting to get the very best out of each other. So those two guys I did consider. Brett Snake-Stewart obviously scored a try, was unreal that season, was probably the premier fullback in our game in 2011. The guy I went for, though, was DCE. uh, To bring in a rookie halfback that you're not really paying much money and for him to overachieve in the fashion that he did, uh, just unbelievable. Yeah, you know, you think about... You think about what Sam Walker's achieved this year and how good he's been. We got to the back end of the season. He was on the bench and whatnot. It obviously took its toll on him. DCE, whilst he wasn't as small as Sam Walker, I'll tell you what, he wasn't that much bigger, yeah, in a really physical game as well. So, DCE, he was my most valuable back. I think when you look back at this side and you have a look at other Premiership winning teams, you compare where DCE was at in his career. He was playing his 27th game of first grade compared to other Premiership halfbacks. I'm not sure if there's a seven that's won a competition in less games. You probably have to have Steve Morris right up there here. He did it in his first season. Uh, So a really impressive season from DCE, and he, of course, has gone on to be the club captain, one of the best players they've ever had. Won a Clive Churchill medal just a couple of years later in 2013. Unfortunately, they lost that one. If you would have given it to DCE in 2011, I don't think anyone would have really pushed back on you. Had a really, really good game here too, but I think Glenn Stewart had to get it. Speaking of Glenn Stewart, our most valuable forward, it has to be... Gifty uh, Gifty is just the most fitting nickname. He was a gifted footballer. I I love watching Glenn Stewart play football. I said earlier in this podcast I would love to see him feature in the modern game because he would be unbelievable. It didn't quite finish as it probably should have at the Manly Seagulls for Glenn Stewart, but I will always hold him in the highest regard. Whether he was playing for Manly, New South Wales, Kangaroos, spent some time at South Sydney, went over to Catalans and did really well over there. But just the mindset of Glenn Stewart. Another guy that I said, you know, Jamie Lyon really personified the Manly Seagulls. So did this guy and his brother, yeah. Loved a good time off the field, was the most skillful guy, was the most hardworking guy and was just talented as all hell. He's like on the graph where talent meets just pure toughness, Glenn Stewart, a champion player and really was Manly through and through. He's a guy that I probably could have selected as the leader as well. Probably could have picked him as my undervalued guy as well. But the Clive Churchill medalist on the biggest stage came up with the big plays, scored a brilliant try off a flick pass back inside from a very young Will Hoppawata another guy that overachieved that year unbelievably and then also set up the first try uh, sorry the second try to Del Cherry-Evans where he grubbed out of his own end you don't see that every day the undervalued man and i think this guy was undervalued his entire career and unfortunately he came along in the Cameron Smith era so we don't talk about him as much as we should but Matty Ballon, he's still part of the Manly Seagull system, he's coaching the reserve grade side and doing very well for himself as well but his career started and finished in the time that Cameron Smith's career started and finished it's quite incredible but Matt Ballon, he was the Manly Seagulls hooker for years and he did a job year in, year out. Were there better hookers on the market? Yes, for sure. There were better hookers in Rugby League. Did the Manly Seagulls ever even consider trying to get one of them? No, they didn't even look into it because they know they had their guy. More than 200 games for the Manly Seagulls. Debuted in 2007. Ended up retiring in 2017 for the West Tigers. Left the Manly Seagulls in, in 2015. Only played a handful of games at the Tigers in the next two years. But a guy that, if you take out his debut season. He never played less than 23 games in a season. An absolute warrior, Matty Ballon. As I said, came through in the Cameron Smith era. Only got to play one game for Queensland. Won that game in 2010. If it wasn't for Cameron Smith and the guys around him, it's the old thing we talk about. The Stuart McGill effect. Uh, Obviously he was stuck behind Shane Warne. Matty Ballon Sort of fits in that same category as your Jake friends as far as Queensland goes and potentially for the Kangaroos as well, you know. Obviously, sitting behind Cam Smith, a very, very tough gig there. Was forced to sort of retire early. Retired in 2017. That was now five years ago. He's only 37, so he probably could have played on a little bit longer. He was always in really good nick. Uh, But that season, he was unbelievable. Played 27 games for the Manly Seagulls that year. Just about every single game, I think, he played. So, Matty Ballon, definitely my underrated man. In this team, but there were a few guys that you could have picked in this side because they were just so star studded. Just to go through this grand final side, they obviously won 24 10 over the Warriors. Fullback Brett Stewart on the wings, Michael Robertson and a young Will Hopawade. Jamie Lyon in the centers with the hitman Stevie Maddai. The, the halves and five eights with DCE and Kieran Foran, who of course 10 years later are lining up this week to appear in another grand final potentially. Up front, Joe Nullivow and Brent Kite. Brent Kite obviously won the Clive Churchill medal three years earlier. Matty Ballon, our underrated man in jersey nine. Choc Watmo, jersey 11. Big T-Rex, who was on fire at the time. He was a Kangaroos player at the time. Tony Williams in the back row. Glenn Stewart wore wore jersey 13 on the bench. Just four names that would just do a job for you every day of the week, but were probably never going to be superstar rep players. Very, very manly seagulls. Very manly seagulls sort of players. Workmans who would never let you down. Shane Rodney, Jamie Bure, Vic Morrow, and Georgie Rose. Jamie Bure was the only one out of these guys that played rep football. I think he represented New South Wales on one occasion. But, um, you know, when you get one, get one state of origin game out of an entire grand final bench, that's pretty scary. But they were just the most consistent guys you could ask, or they would do a job every week. You wouldn't expect the world out of them, but they would deliver and do their job every week. It was massive. Of course, Desi Husler was the coach. He went away from Manly for a couple of years, uh, has now returned, and hopefully he can deliver more premierships to the... Peninsula. You have a look at this. Ivan Cleary led Warriors side. I think it's forgotten. Ivan Cleary took this team to the grand final. Fullback Kevin Locke. On the wings, Billy Tupu and Manu Vatify. Lewis Brown and Crimson Inu in the centres. Bones Maloney at six. Shawnee Johnson in the halfback role. The forward pack, they changed them around a little bit. On grand final day, the starting team was Russell Packer and Jacob Lilliman up front. Lance Hohaya. We had him on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. He started at hooker. Elijah Taylor came from the bench into the starting side to start in the back row with Simon and Michael Luck in Jersey 13. On the bench, San Rapira, Aaron for Lenny Matteo and Ben Madalino, coached by Ivan Cleary. They're a sensational season from the New Zealand Warriors. Really came from nowhere to make it to that grand final. The story of the day, though, two rookie halfbacks going head-to-head, DCE and Sean Johnson. It was DCE who took home the chocolates that evening. One of the best premierships I've ever seen. An unreal game to be there for. The Manly Seagulls of 2011, they really were a transition team. They were the last premiership winning side that I would consider would go from game straight to the pub after would maybe start training a little bit early but once they knuckled down it was training at 100% a real old school sort of footy side that we just don't see anymore